Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, the tables have turned. Uh, this is Morgan Bird, and I'm going to be interviewing Kyle Stewart tonight because Kyle is currently teaching our Worldviews Sunday seminar here through the month of November. Uh, throughout the year, we've done five different books of the Bible this year. And for our last Sunday seminar, we're mixing it up. Um, Kyle had this really cool idea. He heard a um, this thing called the Sin Chart on a podcast that we both listened to by a guy named Mark Sayers. It's called the Rebuilders Podcast. Would recommend it if anybody's interested to go check it out. Some really good stuff, really thought-provoking stuff on there. But Kyle thought, hey, look, we've been doing these Sunday seminars. Why don't we take this sin chart and actually break it out into four sessions for our church? And we just got done with the first one. It went really well. And uh, I think it's going to be an exciting and formative uh, you know, topic for us. So uh, we did start off tonight uh, with one of these uh, worldviews called the hedonistic. But before we jump into the specifics of that, uh, we want to start off tonight by just talking about what is worldview in general. And so Kyle gave us a basic definition, and then he kind of explained why it's important and how it works or how it operates in our lives. So uh, Kyle, what is your definition of a worldview, and then how does the worldview operate in our lives? Yeah, so the worldview uh, definition is uh, pretty broad, um, as it's supposed to be. If you think, you know, if you think the world is going to encompass a lot of things, but um, I crafted a a definition that kind of was a mixture of different uh, anthropologists and authors, and um, they really all kind of said the same thing, just in different ways. But we tonight we said that worldview is a set of beliefs that we have about what is real, and that supports a set of moral values. your emotions, attributes, and things that guide the way you live. And the reason why it's important to um, define what worldview is is because everybody has a worldview. Um, there's uh, no one worldview that you can say um, is going to be uh, the same for anybody, I guess. Uh, it's uh, each person has their own worldview based on the way that they've interacted with life so far, the way they were raised up, the way they were educated, um, their cultural trends from where they live, um, internal and external experiences, their family dynamics. Everybody's worldview is going to be dependent on uh, just their lens that they see through life through. And it's a, it's a really cool thing to look at worldview because it encompasses so many different cultures and, um, the way that we celebrate things, the way that we um, just respond to different uh, events in life or collectively as a group. And so we can have uh, similar worldviews with other people, you know, in our neighborhood or in our county or city or state. uh, But individually, we all have a unique individual worldview of how we uh, interact on it. But um, as we look to the next four weeks, it was really important to just define what is worldview because um, even in our discussion tonight, we all had different uh, ideas. We come from different backgrounds. So uh, it's important to really understand what is it that we're actually responding to? Why are we saying it the way we are saying it? And how do we just interpret life that way? Yeah, man, that's cool. I 
particularly like thinking about worldview, like you, you talked about the, both the individual aspect, but then also the collective aspect. And, and really what we're trying to do um, in our Sunday seminar is kind of step back and look at more of these collective worldviews. So while, okay, me and Kyle may not view everything about life exactly the same, you know, we both grew up in South Carolina and we both were born around the same time. We both went to college at the same place at Coastal Carolina and graduated the same year. And what we're saying is, there's a good chance that if we came from the same place and have had a lot of the same shared experiences, that we're going to view the world in a very similar way. Uh, it doesn't mean that everything about us is going to be exactly the same. It doesn't mean there might be differences um, based on our family or upbringing and that sort of thing. But what we're trying to do is trying to see what are some of those like broad brush um, aspects of our culture, of, of the life that we all kind of inhabit that could help us make sense of how we see the world. Um, and then, like you said so clearly, that then end up playing out how we live in the world. So how we see the world determines how we live in the world, how we inhabit the world. And that's why our worldview is so important. So, uh, like I said, it's kind of hard to explain um, over, over just kind of talking through it like this. But here's the chart. The sin chart has, across the top, it has four different of these worldviews that, that Kyle's going to lead us through. The first one is hedonistic. The second one is moralistic. The third is therapeutic. And then the fourth is nihilistic or nihilistic. And then go, running down the left side of the page, so you can imagine making a chart. Running down the left side of the page is these five questions that each week we're going to ask about these different worldviews. The five questions are purpose of life, what is sin, what is the world, attitude towards faith, and then solution. And so if you, if you kind of think about it, each worldview answer these questions in different ways. And so what Kyle's basically going to do, what we started tonight, is he's going to go through each one of these, but then he's going to show us how Christianity gives a different answer or a better answer uh, to these questions than these four worldviews. So we started tonight uh, with the hedonistic. And so Kyle, why don't you just take us down the chart uh, explain what this hedon, hedonism is, and then go ahead and answer these five questions for us so that we can understand how this worldview operates. Yes, yeah, so hedonistic um, approach, uh, worldview, if we look at what the purpose of life is, uh, hedonism is uh, the pursuit of pleasure. And so the purpose of life for a hedonist is uh, life is pleasure. And we started there tonight and just you know asked the question, if we had a hedonistic approach to life and life is pleasure and we stopped there, wouldn't life be great? And, you know, theoretically, sure, it would be great, but realistically, and just based on everybody's experience, we know that is not, that's not realistic. And so when we compare it to uh, what the Christian uh, response to hedonism is, it is that uh, the purpose of life for, you know, Christian Christianity for a Christian hedonist would be um, that, uh, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him, which is taken from John Piper. Essentially, it's that uh, God's glory is the is our life purpose. We are created to glorify God. We are created by him, for him, and to lift his name up. And that's uh, really where we landed with the Christian viewpoint on that. So for a hedonist, life is pleasure. Life is about what is good for you, uh, what is, um, what pleasures are you keeping in your life that uh, that affect the way that you respond and interact with life. 
And for a Christian, the response is that uh, life isn't about us. Life is about giving God the glory. And then secondly, the or the second question is, uh, what is sin? So for a hedonist, uh, if life is pleasure, then for a hedonist, what is sin is anything that's preventing pleasure. So uh, if you have anybody come up and tell you you can't do something that you really enjoy, uh, that is going to be a sin to a true hedonist. Um, but the response for the Christian is, we read from uh, Romans 1, uh, verse 24, says that therefore God gave them into the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So for the Christian hedonist or Christian, you know, in general, uh, Sin is when we replace God with the created with created things. Uh, so when we take something, we idolize it, and we don't attribute glory to God, then we've created that's a sin in our life. Um, uh, anything that's about me, anything that has me centered, anything that is against God's will, against His word, against Scripture, um, what He says is a sin, and so. Um, when we take something and replace God, or when we take something and it's not attributed to God and bringing Him glory, then we're and we're in sin. And uh, when we get down to the third question, when we ask, "What is the world?" For a hedonist, the world is a playground. Um, ideally, if uh, you're a hedonist, then um, you know a true hedonist who is um, you know all in to this worldview. Uh, chances are there's no uh, idea of faith. There's no religion. It's more like an atheist kind of lifestyle. You're born, you live, you die. So for the hedonist, the world is a playground. You're born, you enjoy it, you enjoy all the pleasures of life, and then you die, and that's it. Uh, but we know as Christians, um, when we answer the question, what is the world? Uh, the world is God's creation. Uh, we're here and uh, God created um, all things. So recently at church, we uh, in service went through Psalm 104 and connected it to Genesis, um, the creation story in Genesis chapter one and two, and uh, that the world is the, is created by God and we're created by God. So um, the world, on the other hand, is also when we get to Genesis chapter three, the world is sin. Uh, the world has sin in it. Uh, so it's not necessarily a playground for us. It's, um, it's just a passing area as we head into eternal life. And then we get to question four, and that's what is the attitude towards faith uh, for a hedonist? Um, their approach to faith is that it's too moral. Uh, they don't like to be told um, they have to have a boundary. Uh, so the moral code for faith and the hedonist idea prevents you from being able to enjoy life without consequences. And for the Christian, uh, we're born into this world and we're going to inevitably experience evil and sin. Uh, and we do have boundaries, but we desire to live within God's word. So for, uh, secularists, for the secular idea of hedonism, uh, faith is too moral. And for Christians, faith is trusting God um, has something greater for us. So we have boundaries, but we know that God has something greater for us. And then lastly, the solution that hedonism tries to 
uh, offer is that, you know, less rules, more pleasures. If it doesn't hurt anybody, then do it. It's, you know, free reign. Uh, and, but for the Christian, the idea is that, um, that we do have boundaries that we live in. Uh, we live by faith though. We, uh, trust in the sovereignty of God that he is, um, in control. We live by, uh, his, his word, his, by the, by the scripture. Um, but we are able to find the joy in wanting to serve him. So we don't live by the rule. We don't live by the set of rules and, uh, a legalistic approach. Um, while we do have boundaries, what we do, the way we serve God, the way that we want to, um, bring him glory is the way that we live. So, uh, we had a really good discussion on, you know, where do we draw the line on that, uh, of what is a healthy idea of hedonism and what is a, uh, secular or, um, you know, unhealthy, you got the two spectrums of, um, are we pursuing pleasure or are we pursuing pain? So the idea that Christianity is a faith-based religion and we're not based on rules, um, really drives the way we interact, uh, with God, the way we interact with the world as well. And so, uh, kind of going back to the first question, what's the purpose of life? We're to glorify God, be most satisfying him. And that joy that we have through that is the foundation in which, um, really drives our, uh, approach in this, uh, worldview. And so those are really the main five questions and the comparison in which, uh, hedonism, Christian hedonism and secular hedonism, uh, kind of conflict with each other. They can't coexist with each other because one is self focused and meant towards bringing, you know, self glory and self pleasure while the other one is, uh, designed to be aligned with, with God. It's, uh, to bring him glory, to serve him. Um, it's not focused on man. It's focused on, uh, enjoying him and serving him and finding our joy and our pleasure on, in who he is and what he's done for us as we look towards, um, the second coming or, you know, being in heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we had, it's kind of like, just, just put a bow on it, sum it up real, real quick. I mean, God made us for pleasure. He made us able to enjoy pleasure. And uh, the hedonist just twists that and uh, takes it and makes it a God in and of itself. But what we're saying is that um, true Christianity teaches that pleasure is to be found in God and that we can actually pursue our pleasure in him. And as we do that, God is actually glorified because it shows off to the world that we think he's the best, that we think he's the one who uh, can actually satisfy our souls. Um, Kyle gave a a good little illustration. Now, I was trying to think toward the end of our session tonight, how do we know if this is something that we need to repent of or we need to be, get honest with ourselves about? And, uh, Kyle had given a little illustration where he talked about how, you know, when you have something and you, and you're hedonistic, you can always see the thing that's bigger and better. And you are, you're always going to want the thing that's bigger and better. And so then you might get that thing. But then when you have that thing, you're going to see the next thing. And you're always going to want the bigger and better next thing. And then when you get that thing, you're going to want the bigger and better next thing. And so maybe the way that we know that this is a struggle for us is that we're never content, that we always want more. We always think that there's more to be had, more power, more money, more sex, more whatever. Um, And it's interesting, though, that 
in the same way that we've seen that there's a true Christian response to all of this, uh, there's also a true Christian response to that desire for more. And um, for example, I see it here in First uh, Peter chapter 2, where Peter says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So in other words, Peter is saying, hey, this this craving you have for more and more and more and more and more, it's actually not a bad thing as long as it's aimed at God himself. So just like all these different categories have a uh, um, an empty version, a wrong version, uh, Christianity has a response. And so we were made for, for desiring things. We weren't, were made for longing after things. We were made for pleasure. But the, the key is that uh, we find our longings, our desires, and our pleasure in God himself. And that's what makes this um, our true Christian faith as opposed to a counterfeit. Um, so this is really exciting. We've seen this first worldview. Um, so many of us, you know, I know myself, I, I have to repent of certain things. I, I fall into a hedonistic perspective, especially as I think about when um, – I view sometimes sin as just anything that gets in the way of my pleasure. And so I feel like this is something I'm really going to have to think more about and process and, and look at my own life through through this lens. Uh, so Kyle, is there anything else, man, that you have for us to, to wrap up this hedonism concept or to show us how Christianity responds to it? Yeah, I think just on that last bit you talked about with uh, the illustration of, um, you know, the spectrum from where do we know where we need to draw the line or uh, where we're um, in sin in that? So if you think like if you're in pain now and you're having, you want to make a plan to get to a place that's more pleasure. Uh, if you don't have the boundaries, if you don't have the solid foundation in which you know where to stop, where to um, you know draw the line, uh, you're not really on a path from pain to pleasure. It's, pain on both sides you'll never be able to find that satisfaction or that fulfillment mm-hmm. and uh, it ends up just becomes a, a cycle that leads you you know even to a worse place than you were before uh, as you'll never be satisfied you'll never be able to find the contentment um, in God because if you don't have those boundaries then uh, you'll never uh, find that satisfaction and so uh, as Christians we're able to have that uh, that guarantee uh, from God that he has a plan for us. He has set good boundaries for us that we're able to uh, really enjoy and find pleasure in. And so uh, I really find that encouraging um, just through this comparison. That's awesome. I'm just going to wrap us up with one more scripture and then we will uh, see y'all next week. Uh, in Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Uh, we long to be a church and long to be people who run after our pleasure in God, who see him as the highest joy, and who take him at his word, that there is no more full and there is no more long-lasting joy than to glorify God. And so hope you guys um, can not just see this as a topic to learn about, but also as something that could transform our hearts and our lives to truly Uh, seek and desire and long for more and more of God himself. Uh, We'll jump back in next week talking about the moralistic worldview and can't wait to see what we learn.